You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. For, for, all, things, for all things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, game, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Welcome to the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast. On this Wednesday, I am Kayla Canaram. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwert. Uh, We've got big news that obviously dropped this week. And first things first, that Willie Gay has been suspended for four games due to that altercation he had back in January. So he will be out, guys, for the Colts game, Bucks, Raiders, and obviously the biggest one, the Bills game. Let's dive in. What are our thoughts on all of this? I mean, I guess, first off, let's kill all conspiracy theories that are the NFL <laughs> waited to suspend him just so he'd miss the Bills game. The NFL, yeah, but the NFL's not in the business of taking away talent from the two best teams in the AFC and what will be one of their most profitable games of the entire NFL season. But I'd be lying if I said, oh, I, I'd kind of forgotten. Like, I remember he got in trouble. I remember the circumstances related to the event. I remember his case being settled, but because it was two months later and NFL had started and the games had started, I had forgotten that a suspension was on the table. Maybe because the Chiefs weren't even talking about it. Nobody who reports on the Chiefs was talking about it. It didn't seem like it was a factor in any conversations of ours. So yeah, I was a little surprised to find out it was four games, but then when you remember how the NFL handles any any event in which domestic violence is being considered, four games is probably what we should have expected. Like, I know that it's surprising in the moment, and it is surprising that sometimes they do it, and they do things on a whim and without notice. But I think that when you think about how the NFL's handled those cases in the past, even though it was a misdemeanor for a broken vacuum, the fact that the police were investigating it as something related to that, I think that's why he got the four games. Yeah, I don't think there's a conspiracy. I think it's something far worse. And it's that the NFL is quite incompetent with handing out punishments. <laughs> You're very bad at it. <laughs> it's worse than a conspiracy. It's that they don't know what they're doing. That's what's frustrating to me. The timing is one thing. It's not great. I guess you could make the case that you would have rather him been suspended at the beginning of the year. That way he'd be back for the Bills game. But then he the flip the side is you game. got him for the Chargers game. So maybe that's a wash. What's annoying to me or frustrating to me is that Everything you just talked about, Cody, right? Trying to read between the lines and piece this together as to why the suspension was four games or why it was handed out now. The the fact that we're even in a situation where you have to do that is annoying because the NFL could have handed out the four-game suspension and said, X, Y, Z, here is why. Here's all the factors we took into this decision. This is why we landed at four games. And we wouldn't have to sit here and speculate as to why it's four. And we wouldn't have to be annoyed that there is never any rhyme or reason to some of the suspensions. And it's tough to understand exactly how they reach these conclusions. 
a lack of transparency in the NFL's decision-making process and their penal system is frustrating. I guess it's nothing new, right? I'm sure there's, there's half a dozen fan bases around the NFL. They're like, yeah, join the club. So I guess we should get it by now, but that doesn't make it any less annoying. I guess what's funny about it is like, not only is it inconsistent in the way that they punish, it's inconsistent in the explanation. They put out 10 pages on Deshaun. <laughs> Hell, they just suspended Mike Evans for a game. They're like, here's all the reasons why. Like, we don't need the reasons why. He shoved that guy down. We saw They fight all the time. We know why they suspended Mike Evans. It's not a mystery to us. What we're trying to figure out is, is there a line between felony, misdemeanor? Is there a line between misdemeanor and civil case? Is there a difference between, you know, and I get it. They don't want to be in the business, Caleb, like quantifying what's a worse offense when it relates to like domestic violence issues or violence against women issues. They don't want to be like, well, if you hit them, it's eight games. But if you don't, they, they can't, they don't want to be in that business. And I kind of get it, but it just, just offer explanations. Say they were, he was investigated for a domestic violence incident. Something was broken there. The, you know, the mother of his child said that she pushed him into the couch. I know he denies it, but she said it and he was investigated for that. Then this is what it is. Because like, if they did that, I don't think anybody would, you know, like there would be at least you understand the reasoning. You can disagree with it or whatever you want to do, but you understand the reasoning. But instead it just like, and I don't know, it shouldn't take two months. It is very clearly put in the NFL handbook about how they handle domestic violence related issues. It is baseline. It is standard. It is, it, I mean, for all the trouble that they, they, they have information in there that sets this punishment up. So why take two months? Just, just, just do it. I fully agree. And correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't this what Deshaun Watson originally got? He got six. Six. So okay. it's close enough that that's a why you're putting vacuum, it yeah. questionable massages between a lot of women. Um, yeah. Punishment versus crime is very confusing when it comes to the NFL. And I don't want to downplay any kind of domestic no. dispute ever. Um, because that is a very scary situation. But, but that's I would just say me, on like, the grand scheme of things, this is on the lighter side. So yeah. But that's just, that's just it. Like you're so right, but everything you just said there is like it puts people I'm not trying to paint ourselves as the victim, but like anybody, Chiefs fans or people who have to talk about the Chiefs, it's just a situation that we shouldn't have to be in to sit here and try and figure out why the NFL did what they did. They are a multi-billion dollar corporation that does this on a weekly basis. They hand out fines. They hand out suspensions every single day. And for some reason, something that they've been investigating for nine months, they give zero explanation as to why they ruled the way they did. That's what's a little frustrating for a business as big as they are. Why why aren't they held accountable? Like, I feel like we should have more explanation and response to this i don't know why they're too powerful just, you can't you know just like is hey this man, a cba thing well so i'm a little surprised he didn't i'll say this i'm a little surprised he didn't uh, appeal it it wouldn't have worked it never does in the nfl but the nflpa they argue for like appeal and they're like we're under contract we we argue you know we gave you the right to appeal so you should you should appeal and he's like nope I'm not going to do it. I don't know who advised him or what, or he wants to just move on. Or the the part of this that probably we haven't even discussed yet, I think there's a chance he didn't appeal because he doesn't want to get in more hot water with the Chiefs. 
He's missed games. There's already a question about whether he would be a second contract linebacker anyway. He doesn't want to cause problems. He wants to get through these four games, play good football the rest of the way, make a contribution, and get the hell out of the way. He doesn't want to be the story because that's not good for Willie Gay. They already have one linebacker who looks like they're going to give a second contract to a Nick Bolton. He doesn't want to be a reason why they don't. And then, and then we get stuck in the, like, now I guess I have to live in fear that Frank Clark could get suspended. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Our guy, Nate Taylor, he joined us on our show from The Athletic. He's plugged in. He says the Chiefs don't think it will. But, I mean, he settled his on September 8th. Uh, two months would be a, a, a November 8th. Do you guys want to just, like, put it in the calendar and see what happens? Oh, crap. That's not a good time for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, would would um, disputing it prolong the suspension? Would that push that off? Depends. Depends on how the appeal works. Like, tonight, Mike Evans is appealing his suspension. He's going to lose. But they're hearing him tonight. They'll have a decision by Thursday. The appeals are short. Do you know who hears the appeals in personal conduct cases? Roger Goodell, the same person who suspended him in the first place. So it doesn't, I don't know. It's a a loop of a system, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Roger Goodell isn't technically the person who gave the suspension. He's the person who hears it. It's just like, you're not... You're not going to win. You can appeal. The PA likes you to do it, but you can't really win. As far as on the field goes, anybody want to talk about what that means? I was just going to say, what is this going to do to us? Um, feel good about those those first three games. Don't feel great about the fourth one is how I kind of see it. I think we're good up until that Bills game. I, I think see, Willie Gay concerns me more in terms of being a coverage linebacker like when you look at how he and and Nick Bolton have their individual roles, Nick Bolton is your run stopper, getting downhill, making plays at the line of scrimmage. Whereas Willie Gay is the guy who, if you need somebody to close out on, you know, running back in a screen play or a wide receiver in the flats, like that's the guy who needs to get out there and make the tackle because he's not the sure tackler that Nick Bolton is, but he's a better athlete. Like he's faster. He has better lateral quickness. So Like I look at the Colts game and you're going up against the best running back in the NFL. Those sorts of games actually, those sorts of games actually concern me a little bit more than the teams like the Bills or the Bucks who you know are going to try and air the ball out. I at least feel a little bit better knowing that some of his quickness and some of the Chiefs quickness on defense was related to the fact that all these quarterbacks can move on them. And they were terrible against running quarterbacks and really good athletes burned them and all that. But the next three weeks are against some of the least impressive athletic teams, maybe in the league. Like the Colts move in molasses. The Bucks are slow and old. Like at least the Raiders, they've got some offensive weapons where you're like, well, some of those guys can move pretty good and are young and fast and athletic like Devontae Adams. But there's so many other guys that it's just not impressive and, and not a single impressive running back. It's not like Fournette's the – he's not going to get you for – eight catches and 70 yards out of the running back spot. Taylor's a problem, but he's a problem because he will just run it down your throat. But again, like you said, the defensive line, Nick Bolton and playing Brian Cookmore or any of these things can make a bit of a difference as far as getting extra guys there. So I, yeah, worried because they're a worse team. The thing I hate about it, Kayla, is that they're missing two starters now in the first two weeks of the season. Start with 11 guys on defense. You're now down a starting corner and a starting linebacker. Most teams, when those things start happening, it becomes a problem. You lose one more guy to injury in the middle of the game. Now, all of a sudden, you're playing with eight guys. Uh, you know, you're playing with 11 guys, only eight of which you had planned on starting. That's when defenses can start to fall apart. Yeah, I didn't think about the injury thing. Wasn't counting on that. That's concerning no. as well. 
Those are two young players, though, that you want to get reps to. Like, I know Willie Gay is yeah. not in the same boat as Trip McDuffie, but he's a first-time, full-time starter, right? This is, what, year three, right? Yeah. Year three in the league for Willie Gay. For the first two years, even though we all wanted to see more of him, he had to sit behind <laughs> Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman, and then even last year, to an extent, Nick Bolton. So this is his first year as a full-time starter. Cody, you talked about this being a contract year. It's like he needs as many reps as he can possibly get, not just for the contract stuff, but to find out if he's good. Like, are you are you a legitimate full-time starter in the NFL, or is there a reason why you were sitting behind those guys last year? So for him specifically, like he is one of the guys on this defense that just really can't afford to be missing a ton of time this season. Quick fun fact before we move over to something else. Would, does anyone know how many combined defensive snaps Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman have this year? I do. I looked because up. you're asking <laughs> because you're asking. I feel like I know the answer. Okay. Hey, do, you do you want do you want to guess? I don't even do know ballpark what to guess. These are the guys who started for the Chiefs okay, for Cody, a majority of the Kayla, year. Kayla, you have to. You're going to learn this about because of the tone in which he's asking and the fact that he's bringing <laughs> it up a with a little smirk low. on his face. No, that means the answer is zero. It's actually seven if okay. you roll it. But might you know. as well be zero. Yeah. It might as well be zero. Cody didn't bring that up because he thought it was a good conversation starter. He brought it up because he thought it was funny, and I could tell that immediately by the well. It's like grin on it's like you're like you're like oh no, Darius Harris is going to start. I'm worried about that too. It's worse than in Willie Gay, but at least they're not starting those guys anymore. (laughs) They can't move at all. Everyone else in the NFL got to look at Dan Sorensen, Ben Neiman, and Anthony Hitchens, and like, no, we're good. Um, I'm glad they they were on your defense last year. I I bet that was neat and fun, but we're, we're fine. We're, we're good. We we don't need that anymore. So the Chiefs have upgraded everywhere on defense. I'm worried about Willie Gay being gone, but I'm not going to overly panic because I just think they have better defensive talent than they did a year ago. Who's Anthony Hitchens playing for? No one. Oh, okay. On roster. So, <laughs> okay. They really looked at him and said, no, thanks. The other two guys found a team. They just, they just aren't playing. <laughs> I'm going to start coming with fun facts in my back pocket. Those are, it's nice. It's nice to have fun facts for Well, I don't want to be the only one without fun facts, so now I have to start <laughs> doing it too. Well, okay, let's just take turns. Everyone have, uh, I'll take Wednesdays is my day <laughs> for fun facts. Uh, Kayla, you can have Fridays, and then Nick, you can have fun facts on Mondays. All right, thank you. Perfect. Something we should also mention really quickly is our guy, George Karloftis, now second in Rookie of the Year odds. What do we think about this? I mean, it Surprised. feels a bit premature. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson's number one by... But by a pretty favorite round. He's plus 250. So he's the he's not the minus money favorite, but he's the definitive favorite. And depending on which book you go at, like, you know, I looked at Bet MGM. Karloftis is second, but he's tied with Trayvon Walker, who had an incredibly athletic pick in week one, if you missed that. Uh, I think it's everyone banking on the fact that they think he's going to get sacks. Because to this point, he hasn't earned being the second favorite, other than the fact he just looks good. That's the thing I can't take away from Karloftis. He looks like an NFL defensive end. He looks good. He looks like he belongs. I think he's going to get sacks because he looks like he belongs. He just hasn't looked out of place for one second in his NFL career. I think that's why he's second, Nick. People are voting on him because they're like, nope, that guy looks like he's going to be really good, so I'm just going to place a bet and take a chance. So I'm going to – I want to um, I want to wax poetic on George Karloftis here for a second because <laughs> – 
Well, not just George Karloftis, but the selection of George Karloftis by this front office. Um, I don't I don't know what number he went in terms of pass rushers, but I know a bunch of them went at the top of the draft because it's a premium position and they're tough to get and you don't want to miss on him. I think it was five or six defensive linemen alone got taken in from yeah, some I mean, of them. I'm just going through it on the top of my head. Um, Walker, Johnson, Hutchison, Walker. Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson. I'm pretty sure there was another obvious one that I'm missing, but usually you don't get super productive pass rushers late in the draft or even late in the first round. Like there's a reason why those guys went first and second and fifth or wherever they ended up going. It's because it's a premium position and they're tough to get to think that like, as Cody said, he doesn't look like a star right now. He doesn't have any sacks. So I'm not trying to anoint this guy already, but what you would hope to get from a player at that position at the point in which you drafted him is early on, doesn't look out of place early on. Doesn't look like the game's moving too fast for him. Doesn't look like physically he's not able to compete against NFL caliber offensive linemen. You can't say any of that about Karloftis. He hasn't gotten the production yet, but he looks the part. And that's all you really wanted to see from him two weeks into his NFL career. I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know how good he is. All I know is he's not a bust. He's not somebody like Breland Speaks who we're going to look at a year from now and say, is this guy even worth a roster spot? How many years before this guy actually plays a meaningful role or will that ever happen? This guy is one of your top two defensive ends from day one. That is a huge boon for someone you took with the last pick of the first round this year. They watched a single game of George Karloff just like, that's our starter. <laughs> they went, they went like they started Dana week one. He's the experienced guy. He's a decent pass rusher. He gets to the quarterback a little bit. He's got five sacks over two seasons. Um, he's passable in crunch time. And they, they got one look, one game look at that. And they were like, yeah, Karloftis is better. You know, it's, I would almost equate it to a little bit of like the Melvin Ingram thing. Cause if you look at George Karloftis stash, you'd be like, well, he has two whole tackles and no sacks. That's not a, but it's, if you watch it, that's, it's the antithesis of what's been happening. He's in the backfield. He's there. All He's the always time. there. Yeah. And, and as a result of other guys being good, like if Karloftis is good, guess how that makes Chris Jones life a lot easier. Chris Jones, one of the sacks he got, he was single teamed. You know, he was just one guy trying to block him up the middle. That didn't happen very often for Chris Jones last year. And when that happens for Chris Jones, guess what he does? Make someone look really stupid and destroy the interior part of their line and go get a sack for their team. It makes it easier for guys like Chris Jones to get sacks or Turk Wharton or Michael Dana or anybody else on this team to do it if Karloftis is actually good. So I'm a little, the odds are probably a little out of whack right now, and you probably wish you would have bet it sooner. But based on look alone, I do not think that it's all that insane because he already looks like he's destined to be one of their best defensive players over the next few years. And this is a pretty young defense. So you're looking for a couple of standout guys, and that's one of them. We saw the fire in his eyes in that swat against the Chargers game. He's he's going to be good. Quick other thing really fast. Do you know what I also love about him? Purdue guy. Do you know who else was a Purdue guy? Uh, Lenny Dawson? That's correct. Is that what you're going with? Look, no, now we got trivia and piece. fun packs. I know. We're just full Hold of surprises up. today. <laughs> <laughs>
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's discuss what happened in Monday Night Football. We saw the Bills absolutely throttle the Titans 41-7. to Guys, we have to ask, is there any part of you that thinks the Chiefs have to play catch-up to the Bills at this point? I know we're getting ahead of ourselves to week six, but how are the Chiefs going to slow down Josh Allen? This is a scary team. I'm not going to pretend like that when we get to the end of the season that these two teams won't be equal. But I also think that right now the Chiefs are definitively the number two team in the NFL, as in the Bills are one. Like, and it, I get it. It might not be. It might be the way we discuss uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen as quarterbacks. Like, there's not a huge separation, but there's a separation because the Bills have the best roster and are the best team. Some of their weakest deficiencies, like pass rush, where they were kind of mediocre last year, even though they were the number one scoring defense, so it didn't hold them back. They got better because Von Miller's there, and they have an endless cavalcade of offensive weapons. Their second best wide receiver was out, and Jacob Jake Kumaro all of a sudden looked like a good weapon. They're good. Josh Allen is playing nearly perfect football for like six of his last seven games. Yeah, I think they're a little behind the Bills right now. I hope that they catch up in the next three weeks, I guess. But as of today, the Bills have outscored their opponents. They have the best win differential by more than double, and the Chiefs are second. It's just a, you know, there's it's not a massive gap, but I... I think it'd be kind of foolish to say there's no, there's not even some gap between the two. Chiefs are second, but they're second. So what's interesting is that they were, we were in the same spot last year, weren't we? After the Bills beat the Chiefs in Week Five. Yeah, because they and had, it was it was a beatdown, right? As a reference before that, Nick, they had outscored their opponents 118 to 21 before they played the Chiefs and beat them by 18. So in the three yeah. games up to that, they were absolutely rolling and then beat the eventual representative for the AFC title game. So there's part of me that says, okay, they were in the same spot last year and things fell off. And I was actually saying that walking out of work earlier today to one of our coworkers who happens to be a big Bills fan. I was like, yeah, weren't they kind of in this spot last year? And he said, yeah. And they were 13 seconds away from going to the AFC championship game. So I was like, okay, touche. It's not as if the Bills had a failure of a season. (laughs) Josh, I'll play perfect in that game too, by the way. What's interesting is that the Bills are actually right now the pass happiest team in the NFL more than even the chiefs. But in the second half of last year, I think they lost like an overtime game to Tampa Bay. And then they just started pounding the ball on the ground and they were annihilating teams. I think they won like four or five straight to end the regular season. And we know how good they looked at the end of last year when they realized, Hey, we're still going to take our shots downfield. We're going to let Josh Allen be Josh Allen. And Stefan Diggs is still going to be that guy, but We have a nice stable of running backs, good offensive line, running quarterback. There's a way we can sort of preserve ourselves and also sort of take advantage of some of the strengths of our team. They're not doing that right now, but they look as good through two games, mind you, but two games against defending Super Bowl champs and the Tennessee Titans, who have been a mainstay in the AFC for the last four years. uh, They are making them look like little league teams like this is. This is big boy football that the Bills are playing right now. And if you would have told me after week one, I would have said these teams are pretty even. But then watching the Chiefs sort of struggle against the Chargers, albeit. On a short week. 
Yeah, the bill, the Bills. I said this last year after the Chiefs game, so I don't want to say it again and then just like have to walk it back just like I did last year. But I remember after the Chiefs lost to the Chargers, I said this looks like one team that is ascending and about to peak. And it looks like one team that maybe made some miscalculations in the offseason is going to have to recalibrate. Well, that didn't end up being the case. And I don't think the Chiefs made any miscalculations this offseason. But it does once again feel like the Bills are sort of ascending and trying to find their peak, which I don't even know if they've done yet. I hope it doesn't get any higher than this. I will say this, Kayla, is I, I do think it's a bit rich for us to be like, and that was the number one seed in the AFC. They ain't that. That is that is not what the Titans are anymore. Whatever the hell they were last year, they are not that team anymore. They don't I look see, anything I like see. that team. Yep. I said that in a podcast earlier this week. They are, I don't think that about them anymore. Seeing what I saw last night. I don't feel okay. like I'm not they don't scare me. <laughs> so we're let's just full transparency. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Our last podcast came out on a Monday. This was before we had seen the Bills second Correct. game. Yes. But on that Monday podcast, we said we thought it was the Chiefs and the Bills sort of in their own tier. And then it was kind of everybody else. Do you still view it that way? So without putting the Bills in their own and the Chiefs in their own, yes. That's what I'm asking. That's basically what I'm asking you. Do you see the Bills as sort of being a cut above everybody else right now? I just think they're, yeah, because I think the Chiefs and the Bills are on their own and the Bills are ahead of the Chiefs right now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they can't catch up. It doesn't mean the Bills won't hit that midseason lull that they did last year because they did. They lost to the Jags and a a not very good Patriots team. And they lost three of six games and they kind of lost themselves similar to the way the Chiefs did. But the biggest difference between the Chiefs and other teams when they lose their way, because the Chiefs will lose their way at some point this season and will come on this podcast, is they find it or they don't and they win. Other teams lose their way and they lose. The Chiefs will lose their way and they'll play in some dumb rock fight game that looks hideous. And you know what they'll do? Still win the damn game. That's why the Chiefs finished above the Bills in the regular season. That's why the Chiefs got to host the Bills in the playoffs in their home stadium. It's why they got to host the AFC title game again. Is that when they lose their way as a team, they still win their football games. That, that cannot be said about every other team, and that's what happened to the Bills last year. They lost what they were doing for a little bit, and then they still lost games. Couldn't agree more with everything you just said. When we are down, there's nothing, no doubt in my mind that we aren't going to come back and win it based on what we've seen Patrick Mahomes do the last however many seasons. Um, I have full confidence every time that when we are down, there's always a way. Especially yeah. what we saw in that divisional game. Yeah, that's the thing. So it's like, for me, I'm kind of having two conversations in my head. It's like, okay, I do think the Bills are cut above the Chiefs right now. But when those two teams face off in week six, I'm not saying that I'm not going to pick the Chiefs to win. A home game for the Chiefs, at least. You know, what, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, the Bills might be the better team, but in a, <laughs> in a football game, it feels so foolish to say, nope, Chiefs won't win this one. Because... Look at what happened last Thursday. The Chargers had the Chiefs dead to rights and the Chiefs came out victorious and are sitting there 2-0. There's something that, there's a fire that gets lit in Mahomes. I think he thrives when he's down. I think he enjoys the challenge of coming back. I've said this the year we won the Super Bowl. We had all those crazy games, uh, especially in the playoffs. That Houston game, like he likes being down and I think he enjoys the challenge of coming back and winning and showing every, everyone what he can do under You pressure. know what I th- You know what I think it is, is it's kind of maybe the same thing that you just said, but it's not so much that he 
is better when he's down. It's that every other quarterback in the league is worse. They all get worse when their back is against the wall because they're not comfortable taking all of those risks down the field. You mean like Kirk Cousins? Yeah, they they get in their head. They feel the nerves. They feel the pressure. Whereas Mahomes, I feel like, is just... And you go back, remember in that AFC Championship game when they were checking that whoop band that he's wearing and they're checking his heart rate. Yeah. And his heart rate was actually lower yes. when he was playing than when yes. he was watching. I feel like that guy's baseline just never changes, which is why when they're down and it's late in the game, he's just the same dude he's always been. All right. Well, speaking of the Bills, how do the Chiefs stop Josh Allen coming I up get, in a few weeks? I don't think you do, do you? Um, okay, so let's put a let's put a stat line on stop. Uh, I would just prefer <laughs> it's not 330 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and another 40 yards rushing. It's got to be below that, I would say. Or to just force him into a couple of punts. Everyone realizes right in the third quarter of that Titans game was the first time the Bills had punted in like a very long time. They, didn't, they don't punt. They just get the ball. You have to force some stops. My fear is that they simply do not have the personnel. They don't have enough corners to cover their wide receivers. They don't. They won't have enough linebackers to stop his running game. And the simply, the simple answer is, I think it's going to be a massive problem. Which means by week six, if they can't stop him, are they the offense they need to be to keep up? They were in the postseason because the only other way to stop him is to make him make us make mistakes, which I guess mm-hmm. he made in week one, and they still won the game pretty decidedly when it was over. One of those picks wasn't his fault. It just went off the guy's hands. But I don't know. I I, I think their only their only hope is their only hope is confusion. And honestly, Josh Allen, similar to Patrick Mahomes, appears to be getting better. He, it doesn't. It's not. It's not saying the same. It's not getting worse. He's getting better. And I when when guys start going like that, Kayla, I don't know what the answer is. Well, I think as a passer. He'll get his own. I, I don't think he's the most skilled. I don't even know if Josh Allen is a top. Okay, this isn't saying much, but I don't think he's like five. a top three passer. Yeah, he may be top five if he's sixth, whatever. It's that when you add in his ability to run the ball, that's why he becomes a top three quarterback in the league. And on some nights, the best. Like against the Titans, he was perfect. Just like he was perfect against the Chiefs in the AFC divisional game last year. So the answer is he he might get his own passing. A lot of guys do that. It's the NFL. Everybody's going to be able to move the ball down the field. Can you keep him from having 70 plus yards rushing? Can you keep him from breaking off a handful of 12 to 18 yard runs? Because those are what are demoralizing. When you get, when you get a team into third and long and you feel like you're doing your job and then all of a sudden he you know, improvises and scrambles for 18 yards. Those are what are really frustrating. And I'm sure there's a lot of defensive coordinators who are trying to like figure out solutions to that. And nobody has in the last three years. But to me, that's the difference between you shutting them down or slowing them down versus them just being able to kind of do whatever they want, which is exactly how it's went for them the past eight games we've seen from them. It's so different too, because like I, you know, the Raiders probably they lost the game with the fumble return, but it felt like they lost it when Kyler Murray made that two point conversion. You're like, oh my god, he's not even that kind of runner. He doesn't just avoid you for thirteen, you know, like 
35 seconds. And then as someone described it online, like a kid, like a toddler running away after they've stolen your cell phone into the end zone. That's, I mean, he didn't even do that. He just like, he's running right at you and you're like, Oh God, I don't want to do this. He's giant. That that's a big person. <laughs> you feel like you're getting more hurt than he is in this exchange. Cause he's bigger than almost any other defensive player you have on the field. Hope, pray is some of it, Kayla. Get out in front so maybe you know that they're passing. They pass a lot anyway, but know that they're passing. If you can get a lead, then know that they're passing. And maybe you can take some chances with some blitzes. But in the in the long run, there's a certain amount you just have to concede to Josh Allen. Yeah. And I mean, he was only had one carry for 10 yards last night, but not the case against the Rams. So didn't need to because he could just chuck it up to right. Stephon Diggs exactly. on every play. <laughs> exactly. All right, we touched on this at the beginning of the season. Based on what we've seen after two weeks, is the AFC West still the best in football? Yes or no? Uh, who would be better? If there's a better division, who would it be? I'm going AFC East. In that, the argument, but I mean, aren't the Chiefs, the Chiefs and Chargers are as good as... Bills, Dolphins, right? I guess we're going to get Bills, Dolphins Actually, this week. Okay, since you make that point, I guess I still have to go AFC West because I don't. Okay, well, it it depends what you think of. Let's just instead of going with the top, because we know what we feel about the Chargers and the Chiefs, two of the right. best teams in the AFC. All four teams. How do you feel about the Broncos and the Raiders? Because the Broncos look like they have a head coach who has no idea what's going on around him. And the Raiders are 0-2. So do you feel like either one of those teams are going to be legitimate no. threats this year? No, I don't. The Broncos look like they might have the worst coaching situation in the NFL this year. Like, at least from other division standpoints, the top end for the Chiefs is always going to be better than the AFC West. Them and the Chargers are two of the top five, six teams in the NFL. But, like, if you look at the NFC North, Nick, the Vikings, I know they got beat up last night, but they're going to they're not going to be a pushover. The Lions aren't a pushover. They just, like, they're not, a, neither are the Packers. Their only bad team is the Bears. And their their bad team has one more win than the Raiders do. Like, so there are definitely deeper conference, you know, deeper divisions. The NFC East, we made fun of that one. The Cowboys, when they get Dak back, I don't think will be a pushover. The Giants are 2-0. The Eagles, I mean, they're better than that division because their top in outweighs the mediocrity that comes with the rest of it. But... Uh, you know, if they are the best division, it's not by what I thought it was. How about that? They might still be the best division, yeah. but it's not by what I thought it was because the Raiders Agreed. aren't as good and the Broncos aren't as good as I thought they were going to be. I feel confident in saying that at this point, the Chiefs have total control of their own destiny. Yeah, that's what I was just about to ask you. If if the AFC West is not as good as we thought it was, which we all agree on, how does this change your outlook for how this season goes, because we were talking about it being a juggernaut that nobody's going to get more than 11 wins. And it will be really tough for anybody from the AFC West to wind up with the one seed. Do you still believe all those things? It still causes a problem because divisional games do, and they're not laughing stock teams. Like if you play in the AFC South, that feels like you're supposed to get the one seed, but none of those teams are good enough for it. And you know, in the AFC, at least this, I'll say this. Because before I thought, hey, no chance anybody in the AFC West could get the one seed because it's too good. And it's going to come from the AFC East because no one's good, except for the Bills. Um, and, the, the, you know, the Dolphins would be okay. It's kind of how I guess I thought about going through it. <laughs> the Jets have not been a pushover. 
They're not great, but they've not been a pushover. The Patriots will always cause problems for someone in the division. They're not a good team either, but they will play close games. They will upset someone they shouldn't. They'll win a game against, I know they didn't win their first game against Miami, but they'll they'll win a game against Miami or Buffalo the rest of the way. I don't know who it is, but they're getting one against those teams. So from that perspective, maybe, because all of a sudden five and one in the division doesn't seem that crazy to me. They're already one and oh, all I'm asking to do is go four and one the rest of the way. And they have a decided coaching advantage against the Broncos, a decided coaching advantage and team over the Raiders. So going 4-0 against those doesn't seem crazy. Maybe they lose the other game to the Chargers, or maybe they beat the Chargers in the other one, and they somehow drop one of the two, one of the three, to those two teams or one of those four. But, like, I don't know. It, it seems like they can rack up some wins. They play the AFC South, too, by the way. The Chiefs, I would think that, I, I guess maybe it's a Friday conversation or next week or whatever. The Chiefs' record, I had predicted them for 12-5. and five. The way the schedule is now starting to line up, that the AFC South might be a complete fraud and the AFC West isn't as good, if we had known those things going in, do you think you'd have stuck with 11 or 12 wins? I think I picked 13. So you were even above where we were. <laughs> Nick, I, where were you at? Were you 11 or 12? Yeah, I think I said 11. So, I mean, knowing what you know now, doesn't that number seem a little low? Yeah, Kayla, are you, the, the real question is, are you bumping them up to 14, 15? Probably. Let's do it. Let's have some fun. <laughs> We're all going up a couple. Let's just, you know, let's all so, go up a okay. couple. I'm always overly confident, more than I should be. That's, but so far, you were the most confident in the preseason, and, and so right. far, you were the most right. So maybe that's not a horrible strategy. I, I guess know. what part of what happened with the AFC West is two, two of the teams look lost. The Raiders look lost, and the Broncos look lost, even though they're one and one. And the Chiefs are ahead of schedule on both things. I was like, boy, you know what? New offense, you know, like, uh, you know, then I got a Tyreek. Are you take still a willing bit. to say that after week two, that they're still ahead of schedule on offense? Yeah, because, uh, you know, I'll, I'll chalk up some of that to short week chargers. Like, and the chargers are a better defensive team than they'll see most of the time because of the pass rush. And I like, I know Juju wasn't a main factor or a factor much at all in that game. And they only scored 20 points, not on offense, right? But they, they were good enough. It's not like they just completely stalled out. You know, that's a really good Thursday night divisional team. And they completely stalled out when they needed points. They still got them against everybody. Still scored with Justin Watson. Clyde still looks good. The pieces still kind of fit. And when you look at the season at the end, they still look better than I thought they would be. I know I can panic because the Chiefs wide receivers have less receiving yardage total than Tyreek does himself. But it just doesn't bother me yet. Not to keep harping on this game, but if Watson didn't get that pick six, is there more concern about the offense? A hundred percent. Probably. I don't think that's an unfair question. No, because the defense, I will still contend that the defense won them that game. Chris Jones was huge in the second half, and the play of the game was made by Jalen Watson. I'm not trying to minimize... You know, Mahomes touchdown throw to Christian Watson. That was huge. Clyde was great down the stretch. I'm not trying to just completely ignore all of that. But when you get big plays from your defense, it makes those offensive plays seem bigger than they actually were. Because in reality, if Jalen Watson doesn't pick that ball off, like the game's probably over. Maybe we wouldn't have been saying that quite yet because you have Mahomes on the other side, but it changed everything. I just chalk it up to ugly road, you know, or not road, ugly divisional game. You know, the Chargers only had 17 points going into that fourth quarter, too. 
The Chiefs had 14 offensive points. The Chargers had 17. It's not, yeah. and I'm not worried about the Chargers offense, and they're not going through a bunch of change. They've got the same offensive coordinator, coach, weapons. Like, there were change in the Chiefs offense that we were worried about. And those two teams were scoring on aggregate. I mean, those, those sometimes divisional games like that just kind of go that way. And it's also, you know, like with the Chiefs, it's, it's amazing. Because Patrick Mahomes, you know, 24-35 for 235 yards, two touchdowns and zero picks, even though I know he got close to throwing a few, so I'm not going to pretend that way. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, their leading rusher, had eight carries for 74 yards and another four catches for 44. So it's hard for me to just be like, I don't know, guys. What, what are we going to, you know, what, what are we going to do here? Like, plenty of stuff worked. They just stalled out more than normal. They had some more dangerous passes than normal, but it's a opponent that knows them really well. Okay, Kayla, our our fearless captain of optimism. <laughs> I like that Since title. We, uh, we'll put I that in your name first... tag. <laughs> yeah. I'll in change my Twitter name. handle. Yeah, yeah. Our well, Maybe our first episode or our second episode that we did, we were talking about, I think we looked at just the first six games on the Chiefs' schedule. Yep. And we were talking about, you know, what realistic expectations would be. I believe you had them at five and one. We may have even referenced this uh, on, on this uh, Monday morning episode. And we might have we said that, that was very every optimistic. episode going forward. Yeah, I think we should reference <laughs> this. So you already get a win in probably one of your two toughest games of your first six against the Chargers. Are you sticking with five and one or are you going to go all the way to six and zero? Oh, uh, that's the Bills game. You got to wrap in there. Home. We're also, I didn't realize this until I wrote all the games on my schedule. We're coming off a game on a Monday night heading yeah, into the week. Bills game again, a short week. Why do we keep getting short weeks against the toughest opponents? That's because they're a good team. So they make them play on big fancy games. Wait, they the go from games. Monday to Thursday? Monday no, night, no, Monday to it's Sunday. Sunday. So it's so longer than a Thursday night game, but still on a shorter week. Yeah, okay. Okay. Off the divisional that. game, the Raiders. Um, To answer your question, let's have fun. Yeah. Let's okay. go. Let's go six and let's zero through fun. the first six. Captain weeks. of optimism. Without Willie Gabe, that should be interesting. Um, I, I don't think we openly mocked you, Kayla, in those moments. Like, well, five and one. <laughs> but I didn't think they were going to be five and one. Like now, now I'm like, nope, they're going to be five and zero. Oh, so yeah, I guess it worse. They're five and one. Wait, because you think, think they're, they're starting next, five and zero, oh, Cody? Yeah, they're winning their next three games. The Colts are a joke. Yep. The Raiders are completely off kilter and the Bucs don't scare me. The only one I think they may lose in that is the Bucs because I don't yeah. know, Tom Brady's like Mahomes and they're like, your team looks bad and you should feel bad. And then they just beat you and you're like, now I feel bad and I regret all of this. But I think they're winning their next three games and they're going to go into that thing undefeated against the Bills. The Bills have got a couple of tough games. They could lose to Miami this weekend. I don't think they will. Um, but they've got a more tough road before these two teams face. But I think the Chiefs will be 5-0 and going into that Bills game. I don't know which way I'm going to lean there yet. I, I guess I would take five and one thinking they'll lose either the Bills game or one of the other three going into it. But if you had told me before the season they started five and zero, oh, I would have thought that was kind of absurd. That that's not how the season was going to start. There's too many good teams on the schedule. And now okay, it you seems guys, very real. You guys are putting me into an uncomfortable position because to be the negative guy. Unbridled optimism. Somebody here has to bring us back down to earth a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Here's what I would caution you on. Like the Chiefs are going to be favored in all three of their next three games, I would assume. But I think we have a tendency early in the NFL season, we get such a tiny morsel of a sample size from these teams 
And then we extrapolate it out to draw these grand conclusions. Like the Colts looked a lot worse than we thought they would. Same with the Not Raiders, same they with the Bucks. Okay, really bad. but to act as though all three of those teams are going to be the exact team that they've been for two weeks for the rest of the season probably isn't accurate. We see it all the time, like especially with the Colts who have a new quarterback. We've you've got the Raiders with a new head coach and a new wide receiver. Like you can all be, you can take those and be like, yeah, that's a negative. But I expect those teams to get a little bit better. I expect the Bucks to get a little healthier, don't you? I do expect the Bucks to get a little bit better. Um, although they're they're so desperate a wide receiver, they just signed Cole Beasley, who I guess I was a little surprised wasn't on a roster because he wasn't, I guess, that bad. But Cole Beasley catching strays. Yeah, he didn't do anything <laughs> to deserve it. But Mike Evans got suspended and Godwin's been hurt, and Gronkowski didn't come back to them, and they've had a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. Dude, Tom Brady, like Tom Brady looks like he's pre-divorced. I mean, he looks like <laughs> gaunt and sad and depressed and like it's over. Like he's I just like I, he's taking Wednesdays off. Like he's 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 shut it in. He looks like Millhouse's dad. That's one of the most handsome, successful people on earth. And he just looks like disheveled and concerned. Maybe and he's two and oh despite that. So Maybe I'm way off on them. Kayla, That's are you on the Tom Brady wash train as well? He, to Cody's point, he's not looking good. Um, clearly, it's not affecting his mental headspace. But my only concern with that Bucks game is having PTSD from Super Bowl 55. I because like, it was so bad. I hope they just defense. right exactly. Um, but yeah. I'm glad it's two years removed instead of one. True. Yeah. Um, but yeah, things are not going well on the home front. So I do love that in our, in our very brief analysis of Tom Brady, we basically are writing him off, not because of their play, but because of their physical, his physical appearance. He, well, he just took like, fitting. he looks weird. He took 10 days off in the training camp. He's taking Wednesdays off now. Look, we're working. This podcast is out on the Wednesday. <laughs> I didn't take the day off. I got kids. My wife would like to see me more probably, right? I'm here. Didn't he come back yet, but... because football is his life and it's fun? It doesn't look like he's having fun this season. No, no I think he's No. Yeah. Well, then know. maybe we can wrap this up so Cody can go kiss his wife and kids. <laughs> Cody, are you still <laughs> having Tom fun? Brady. Yeah. I mean, look, I got eight more years before I'm 45. So I got a little bit of leeway before it's like, hey, I'm going to really need you at this kid's soccer practice. Like I find my, you know, I'm not, I'm probably not as busy as Tom Brady either, but I also don't have the luxury of just, I don't know, jet setting for three straight months of family time. So we both have our pros and cons. I don't have a nanny, <laughs> like, you know, and actually like, you know, I, I don't have any of those, like, uh, I don't have any luxury trappings, Kayla, my kid, I, I wanted to bake the other day and I, my, I made Love my that. kid help me because he wouldn't, he's like, he wouldn't do anything else. You're like, well, then get a stool. You're making cookies. We're doing this together because it's happening one way or the other. All right. Well, in conclusion, the Chiefs are going to go at least five and one for the, through the first six. We're all having fun. That's going to do it for us on this Wednesday. <laughs> that is Cody Tapp. That is Nick Schwartz. I'm Kayla Canaram. This is the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast, and we will be back with you all on Friday. Friday.